and welcome to Nufiken. I am Irina and I am talking to Sina Zaipo, who has recently finished her thesis at the University of Boros. Hi Sina! Hi! Nice to have you here. Your research has been in textile technology. As someone who is not very familiar with research and technology, can we start by talking a bit about the field? Can you tell me shortly what the aim of your thesis was? My thesis was about producing smart textiles or functional textiles with resource-efficient technologies and novel technologies. The reason why I did this is because, in general, the textile industry uses a lot of resources with today's technologies. And that means it uses a lot of water and chemicals and energy upon the production. But also these conventional textile processes, they're not flexible. The aim of the thesis is to explore a more flexible and environmentally friendly production of smart textiles where I chose a photochromic textile, so a textile that can sense UV radiation. The reason why this is interesting is that there has been research on smart textiles since the 80s, that's when it started, with the most um, with the most output, scientific output, maybe starting in the 90s. And since then, this is increasing. But there's not that many products on the market. So this is very interesting to use more resource-efficient processes because these specialty products only require small batches. So by using a more flexible production, we can maybe, hopefully, push these... um, specialty textiles forward. So you're mentioning products being on the market, but your research being in the university is fundamental in some sense and different from from just product development. So in what sense do you develop technology? Well, it's both a material that I develop and I use processes that exist, so I combine them. So it's not that I invent anything completely new and I'm not really doing anything. I use material that is available and processes that are available, but I combine them in a new way, which makes the whole process, of course, a novel process in this combination. And of course, I'm not interested in really marketing a product, but this is the drive of the the research, that there has been a lot of research going on for many, many years, for decades, but we don't see so much on the market. So This is a technology-driven approach in my research, too. How do you see the role of the university in technology in general, not just in textile? How are uh, these processes being researched in the university as opposed to being researched by companies? Well, of course, if you are at a university, it can be more creative. You um, You can make more fundamental research, really looking at the properties of the material. So even though I have a market interest in general, because I would like to help the industry to progress, to move to a more novel and sustainable production in the future, but in general, my research is a lot more fundamental and creative than a a company could have done it. Because I'm not interested to, at the end of my research, or when I now wrote my thesis, to sell a product. I would just like to give an example for when you use when you use uh, resource efficient novel processes what can you do with them so it's a lot more free compared to when you have a product development department at a company you mentioned textile technology as being something that started in the 70s and has been growing a lot since the 90s how big is it in sweden 
I get the impression that it is a very big thing in Sweden. Yeah, that's actually right. At the University of Borås, where I'm um, employed, really strong in the domain of smart textiles towards the sports sector, but also the medical sector textiles. And there has been a smart textiles initiative. What are smart textiles? Smart textiles, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> smart textiles are textiles that can sense a, a certain external stimuli and react to them. The UV sensing textile that I'm developing can sense UV radiation. When UV radiation hits the textile, it can change its color. But it could also be a reaction towards temperature or a certain voltage, distortion, pressure somehow. Is it to be used in clothing or in any other kind of application? It could be a shirt that we're wearing that reacts to certain stimuli and helps us um, create awareness to, for example, higher UV radiation, but it could also be used for curtain material. So it may be so as blinds, for example, when the sun comes out, it actually fades to a color. It could be also just a very decorative and fun effect. I think we should clarify that being UV sensing means that it reacts to ultraviolet light, not necessarily from the sun, I guess, but also from industrial processes. One of the applications you mentioned in your thesis is safety equipment for welders. Exactly. So in welding, or especially... Uh, the welding that it's done with nowadays, these arrays that are created when um, upon welding, they also have a high intensity of UV light in them. So welders need to take breaks regularly. Most textiles that I'm familiar with are colored through dyeing. You instead print your textiles. Why printing? Well, in general, there is a difference between dyeing and printing, depending on what you want to do. Both is you can apply colors, but you could also apply a function, of course. But now I focus on a, a smart color. And when you dye, then you really dye the whole material. You also reach the bulk of the fiber and it's, a, it's one single color that you achieve. But when you print, you can you have the flexibility of a pattern. So it gives you more flexibility for, for making a certain decorative effect, but also to integrate several dyes in one piece of fabric. When you print, it's also just a surface treatment. Uh, originally no color and you would dye, then it's one color. But if you want to have it patterned afterwards, then you print. You need to balance between characterizing the existing processes and trying to come up with new processes and characterizing them at the same time. So in your research, how have you handled this balance? My general existing inks, inks did not exist for the purpose that I use. So for the novel processes, which is inkjet printing, a digital printing technology, and UV curing, where you use UV light to cure the photochromic dyes on the textiles. For this purpose, there is no commercial existing ready-made ink. So I used commercial components, I mixed them together, but there was no ink that I could characterize. When I used these, combined these novel technologies together, then of course I had to optimize for this specific case, what can I do? Your approach feels to me very multidisciplinary. Looking at your thesis, it's a lot of chemistry and a lot of physics. So what are the main uh, theories that you have uh, studied and employed? Before I go into the detail, yes, you're right. It's very multidisciplinary. Or I had different steps in my, in my thesis where I first looked at 
to develop an ink that I could actually print, then look at the printing and the curing process, and then how the durability of the textile that I eventually produce, what that looks like. So spectrophotometry, calorimetry is very important, but also how the curing intensity or how well cured my samples are. And what is curing? What is curing? Most processes are wet processes. So you need to somehow dry the material, but drying is never, drying is not enough. You also need to cure. And cure means that you have a permanent effect. So that fixes it in a way additional to drying. Yeah. What is your background? What did you study before getting into this PhD in technology? I'm a textile engineer. I have done my bachelor in Germany at a German university, Reutlingen University, in textile technology and management. Then I did my master within uh, technical textiles and textile technology. So I'm a, a true textile engineer as a background. How did you get into doing a PhD? You know what? Actually, I was uh, when I did my master, we were many female students listening to to male professors in gray suits and i somehow found myself at some point sitting in the audience as a one of these female students thinking why is there such a difference between the people who are who are teaching us and us who are listening and then i somehow thought maybe i should be teaching one day then i would like to maybe change that and more reflect what these that the audience actually looks like or what the students look like. And then I always curious to find out. I always feel that I know too little, so I never want to stop. So I always want to know more. So it was a combination of the curiosity of the domain and thinking that I should do a PhD so I maybe in the future have the possibility to be the one teaching inspiring. When you started your PhD, what were the research questions? Did, did you start with this UV sensor? Actually, it's just that the focus has shifted. Well, when I started my PhD, it was very free. It was just that I should work with some kind of chromatic materials and use resource-efficient technologies to produce textiles with a, some kind of chromatic effect. Even though my, re- my uh, thesis has not quite gone the way that you think it would go from the start. The research questions haven't eventually changed so much. Did you feel prepared when you started to to do research? I thought I was prepared. I I think many PhD students might experience that, that you feel very prepared in the beginning. It feels also fine. You do things and it becomes more serious. And now you should write your first paper. Then you suddenly feel lost, or I, I did at least. I felt lost and I didn't really get the results. And there I felt like I'm not prepared at all. There is too much I don't know. And then it took quite a long time for me to get enough data and results and and really find know the reason for why the material behaved as it did to publish. How did you acquire some of this knowledge? I took courses from our university. And then I also chose to work with experts in the domain of analyzing photochromic textiles in uh, at the Technical University of Liberec in the Czech Republic. I had to find someone to help me because I felt uh, stuck. That was really, really helpful. So I also take did a research stay, or actually two research stays in the Czech Republic. So that was very, very important. And that helped me to raise 
the scientific level of my thesis. So that was very good that I could, that I also had the freedom to find a, a partner for collaboration. One question about communicating your research. Since in your field you, you innovate processes and technology, do you get patents? It's not a really a question or something that I um, intend to do or I'm interested in. Because I did something new, I, I could have written a, a patent on the material that I've created. But to be honest, I'm not so much interested in that. So I think it's more important that I share that I share openly what I've done and that I can be part of driving the techni- technological progress so that others can openly see what I've done and use it. So I'm not making a secret about it. I think it's more I I, I more see my part in, in this to openly share. Speaking of openness and being public, your defense was one of the first in Sweden that was on Zoom due to the corona crisis. Can you share some reflections about this? For example, I could not have attended if it was not on Zoom. I could not have gone to Boros. I thought it was actually that was very it was very nice that you attended. I was really surprised when you when you contacted me afterwards and then I realized what advantages it actually has to have a defense. Yeah, via on via distance, and I experienced it actually very very positive. I had my doubts, and I was actually I was also very disappointed at some point because you want to have it in the real way that you think is the real way until then. But when the defense took place, I felt that the quality of the discussion of the presentation really did not suffer. But I think having a defense online actually opens new opportunities because you can you don't have this traveling cost and the traveling time. So you could invite real experts from Australia, from Japan, from the USA, as long as they're willing to get up in the middle of the night, which it might <laughs> which it might involve for them. Let's talk about your research in more detail now. Physics and chemistry that comes into the inks and the textiles. Let's start with the ink. Yes, so in the ink I use photochromic dye. So this is a type of dye which can change its molecular arrangement as uh, triggered by UV light. So when UV light, the higher higher energy of uh, UV rays compared to visible light, affects these dye molecules, the dye structure changes. And it changes in a way that changes its uh, absorbance spectra, which makes us, as human beings, then see a color. And this is a process that is also reversible. It can be reversible by temperature. When the temperature increases, it goes back, or it's a general temperature-driven process. Or it can be reversed by the input of visible light. So when you remove the UV light and go back to have only visible light, it will be reversed. And how do you control how much exposure before the dye changes color? I wish I could control that. At this point, I cannot. There's a few reasons why uh, photochromic textiles might not have taken off. And one thing is the limitation of the dyes. Because it would be nice if there was some kind of filter first, that the UV light increases in a certain intensity and first when it reaches this intensity and above that, the color change happens. 
but the way the technology looks like today, the color change happens directly from the first trigger. So a goal for, for this research in the future would be to make dyes that, where you can control uh, how much exposure before they are triggered. Exactly. Or look into, look into certain filtration. Another limitation you describe is something called fatigue of the material. Yes. Well, the, this reversible process is not reversible forever. Of course, there is some kind of fatigue and there is a byproduct that is produced. So at some point, after our several cycles of activation and deactivation, this byproduct, which is permanently colored, locks the dye in its position. Uh, and there I've looked into some kind of um, some coating possibilities where you could have a physical layer that protects these photochromic prints more. Is there any option to try and destroy this byproduct as it accumulates? At this point, from my state of knowledge, the best option is try to protect the material. The other two components that are involved in making these textiles are the textile, the support, and the printer. How do you characterize the printer? I use the printer that we have available with its printhead and the in the printing technology of or digital printing technology. The printhead is the heart of the machine and the type of the printhead limits or sets the scene for what how your ink can look like. So then you have to adjust your ink to the printhead that you're using. And I have used two different printheads in my uh, thesis. The main difference was that one had a larger resolution than the other. How does this process look like? It's a drop-on-demand technology. So the drop is only created when it's really needed. When I want the pattern to be filled in that moment, then the droplet is ejected. And it's a non-contact technology. So the droplet flies more or less and then um, lands on the textile. And what about the textiles? I use polyester fabrics, plain woven fabrics, because the um, end use for the material is uh, more functional or more functional textiles. Not really something that you wear on your directly to the skin, but something more an outer textile, I could imagine. So then a woven structure is more interesting. And polyester is, in general, the, the fiber that is mostly used for such kind of application. Okay, and what kind yeah. of patterns do you print? It's lab scale. It's not large samples. So then I printed some uh, fun... I printed some yoga posters, the sun greetings, for example. That, that is just for fun. I printed some uh, zebra patterns. <laughs> but it could be anything. It could be a floral print. But for the actual characterization and the studies that I've done, I've um, actually printed solid patterns. For your sensor, do you envision applications? At this moment, I, I would envision, and I think it should still be the goal, that there should be a more technical application of the material. But as we talked about, the fact that the dyes start the color changing process directly when they're triggered from the start, this is a limiting factor. I think that it's more the, the fun applications, the decorative part that is really possible to do now directly. If you can limit the fatigue of the materials, decorative curtains that will change their color or will have some kind of um, camouflage effect if, if you would want that. Uh, that is something that I could envision. I will ask you now to summarize uh, your results, the results of your research in your own words. 
That's, it always sounds so easy. It's not so easy. I think the most important um, results that I have achieved in my thesis is that I have shown that it is possible to produce photochromic uh, textiles with resource-efficient technologies, which for me means printing them digitally with inkjet printing and curing them with UV light. Because I had talked in the beginning of my thesis, I had talked to a professor who had told me that this was a very stupid idea to UV cure photochromic dyes. Because you have a competing uh, effect of the UV radiation there. But I have shown that it is possible. Different intensities of UV curing also gives you possibilities to tune this photochromic color effect, which you don't really have in the same way if you use other conventional techniques like screen printing, for example. But in general, where I see that the goal is to support the technological progress of a more or less outdated industry, which the textile industry is. My work is one example of what can be done. I think research has the task to provide industry with more examples of what can be done. You describe the textile industry as outdated. Can you elaborate a bit on that? The textile industry, I mean, we all know about this, that, that the clothes that we're wearing are produced in, under conditions that are not good for the environment and not good for the workers that are working in these factories. But there is possibilities today to produce it in a more simple way. But the problem is that these old technologies, they still work. They're, they're fine. I mean, you can if you go to factories to East Asia, you see really old machinery and that still works fine. So there's really not a need really to make this new investment there. But that's why it's important uh, in my thesis that these smart textiles and other functional textiles are textiles which don't need mass production. It's just small batches that are needed. So that's where we can start to make the change. So maybe it's not in mass production. There, And one very, very important uh, advantage of inkjet printing, where you only apply a color or a function where you really want it to be, is that you could print only in areas where you need the function, the color, and the rest is still untreated waste textile material which is more easy to recycle but if you leave the complete textile in a dye bath you cannot say well the dye should only be in this part of the textile or not in another it will be completely treated let's talk about the future then what do you think is the future of research in this direction what do you think will happen in the next years i think in the domain of uh, smart and functional textiles, there will be more focus on the actual production processes and really an evaluation of, of what's possible with which function and what, how much savings you can really do. Because now what I still I talk about that we have savings in water, chemicals and energy, but it's not that quantified yet. So I think there will be a more, more research in the domain where you try to quantify that, where you can really balance in it and not just say this is better but also say quantitatively how much better is it and evaluate that against the performance of the textile because if you use function like a, a water repellent textile if you apply that function usually with impregnation le leading it through a dye bath compared to that you print water repellent ink digitally on top of a textile 
the performance of the completely soaked material and the print, it might not be the same. But because we have these amounts of savings in the production process and resources and have a better carbon footprint, then maybe it is worth it. But what's in store for you next? Actually, I'm right now involved in a research project where we look more about trying to achieve such quantification of uh, processes. So I'm already directly after I finished my PhD, I started working in, in uh, different research projects and I also started teaching in the domain of textile uh, dyeing and finishing on a bachelor level. So I was um, really involved in, in, in both teaching and research directly afterwards. And I will continue, I will not continue at this point with photochromic materials, but I will continue with the processes in general. And you will continue as a researcher? And I will continue as a researcher and uh, partially teacher, yes. That sounds very nice, congratulations. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming. This has been very interesting and instructive for me. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. You are listening to Nufigan. This has been Irina talking to Sina Zeipel. To find out more about Sina's research, you can visit our webpage at nufigan.co. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter as Curious Newfican in one word. This episode of Newfican was published in November 2020.